Gone are the days, well, at least going are the days, where you'd call up your service provider account rep to order a circuit and it would take months to fulfill and there was this big build up to turn up day of the circuit and, and, and so on because your WAN is becoming automated, software defined. You go to a web page and you order the circuit and it's provisioned in a matter of minutes and not months. Now, yeah, there are some prerequisites and assumptions built into this utopia that I am describing. You need to be in the data centers where the ports are, et cetera. And there's no magic that's going to drop fiber to your last mile if it's not already there. But, but my point is increasingly, WAN is just easy. Our sponsor, Console Connect, is just such a purveyor of wide area ease. And we first chatted with Console Connect on the Day 2 Cloud podcast, episode 115. If you want to go listen to it, that was back in September 2021. Give that episode a listen to understand software-defined interconnection and a lot of the behind-the-scenes automation that makes it possible for Console Connect to stand up a circuit in minutes. On today's heavy networking episode, our previous guests, Paul Gamp and Jay Turner, return to dig deeper into the Console Connect catalog. We're going to cover internet on demand, cloud router, and then some of the interesting partner integrations they have that provide some unique connectivity options. Paul and Jay, welcome back to the Packet Pushers Podcast Network. And, and Paul, we're going we're gonna to kick off the discussion with you today. And for people that didn't hear that show, that day two cloud show that I mentioned, would you remind people just a, a quick sentence or two, who is Console Connect? Who are you guys and what do you do? Hey, Ethan. Great. Um, so Console Connect was a Silicon Valley venture capital backed startup that followed the premise that as mission critical workloads moved to the cloud, uh, just as the enterprises are getting control over compute and storage, you're going to need this same control over their wide area network. So we operated independently for four years and then were acquired by the global division of HKT called PCCW Global. And over the last four years, we've been integrating the Console Connect platform into the PCCW Global Network. And over the course of this conversation, you'll hear a little bit about what that empowering uh, capability is when you combine these two assets. So Console Connect is a platform that allows enterprises to orchestrate connectivity between data centers, between SaaS applications, between uh, a variety of different services. And today we'll talk a little bit about layer three, layer two, and internet on demand. Yeah, the, the, Paul, there was some marketing babble in there, but but I, but I the point is we, we got with Console Connect a very easy, automated, as you put it, orchestrated way that I can connect point A to point B. As long as I'm in the places that Console Connect serves, you make it easy for me to connect point A to point B. Absolutely. All right. Now, I said in the intro, we're going to talk about some different products. One of those is Internet On Demand, Paul. So in a nutshell, would you tell us about the Console Connect Internet On Demand product? What is this thing? Yeah. So if you're an enterprise and you're moving mission-critical workloads from the data center where you've typically had it inside your local area network, and you're starting to move it to cloud, so you're moving your ERP system from on-prem into DCP or into AWS, how do you maintain the security and integrity of that connectivity the way that you've done when it was inside your network? So AWS Direct Connect, Google Cloud Interconnect, Azure Express Route. All of the hyperscalers have got these products. And Console Connect is one of the few platforms in the world that have integrated with these hyperscalers and can provide that type of connectivity. Then it occurred to us, though, that typically that means their enterprise has to operate a separate cross-connect. So I've got a port and I need to provision a port and a cross-connect in a data center to get access to this software-defined cloud interconnection. But that's expensive. You know, cross-connects anywhere between $300, $500 a month. So what if we could provide our customers and the enterprise with 
a multi-service port so that they didn't have to order another port. So they could, for example, from that one port, have connectivity to a multitude of cloud providers and connectivity to the public internet. And because PCCW Global is already in the top 10 uh, internet service providers, so we're uh, PCCW Global AS3491 is a settlement-free tier one peering provider. So we've got the capability to deliver internet access that we thought, Jay and I have been a few members of the team thought, what if we could include internet connectivity as part of that portfolio of things you can provision from a single port so you don't have to go provision another port and provision another cross-connect? So, so that was a lot. That was the whole – I was expecting internet on-demand description, Paul, to be like, well, you know, you get the internet <laughs> on-demand. You just press a button and then you have internet. But, but the point you're making here is that there's a lot of ways that I need to connect – uh, all the different places that I am, and this becomes another easy option that I can use to connect those different services, internet on demand. And as you're putting it, I if I've already a console connect customer, I don't have to have a different port. Uh, I, I don't have to stand up a unique circuit, if you will, for that service. I can run it across a port that I already have. At least I, I think you said that, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's why we chose to do it, because a lot of the customers were saying, hey, hang on, I'm already a customer of your internet access service. Can I use this same port to get connectivity to Amazon? Or does that mean I have to provision a different service? Wouldn't say it's like, um, you know, this this software-defined interconnection wide area network is is very much an emerging area. And often the enterprise don't understand what capabilities are available to them. We're trying to make it as simple as possible. So is this connection going over the public internet or am I getting more of a private link? So to talk to it specifically, so you've got a switch in a data center, one of over 700 that we have uh, on net for the Console Connect platform around the world. You run a cross-connect from your switch to one of ours. And from the moment that port goes active, you're able to log in to the Console Connect application and provision within minutes connectivity to Amazon, Google, Alibaba, and others. And you're also able to provision on another VLAN, another circuit on the same port, internet through the AS3491 peering relationship. So we can provision connectivity to you in minutes, depending on which configuration you choose. Got it, okay. And to be honest, I don't know anybody else who's done it. I don't know anybody else who's exposed the ability to provision internet on demand from a web portal. Well, what am I actually getting under the hood there? Is it like two VLANs or something like that? Because these are very different traffic streams with different def- uh, destinations and purposes. Yeah, and you imagine if this was workload inside your local area network, you know, in the traditional instance, you'd have your upstream provider and you'd have your ERP application segmented inside your local area network. So that ERP is now on the outside and it's in AWS. So there's a VLAN to that ERP in AWS. And there's a VLAN from which you can get access to the public internet. So we're trying to create that control and security and Mm. allocation of resource and control that the network engineer had when it was LAN and make exactly the same experience when those applications are moving to the WAN. So two separate VLANs and you can allocate bandwidth accordingly to each of them. Okay, that was my next question. I want to find out, can Mm. I, what what kind of um, throughput would I be getting on a typical link and how can I divide it up? Yeah, so we support one gig ports, 10 gig ports. Uh, We'll be introducing 100 gig connectivity in a range of locations throughout this year. And then every service you can provision 
you know, depending on the cloud provider, they've got different thresholds for connectivity, right. but, you know, we can provision as much as you can, capacity as you can take on that port for internet access. And then through the VLANs, I can say, you know, the one going to my cloud connect, I want X uh, amount of bandwidth and for the internet, Y. Correct. Exactly right. Paul's bearing the lead that that the uh, both of those circuits can be flexible as well. So, um, you know, you can you can turn up this internet at this internet on demand for you know a day, a week, a month, um, and then even change its bandwidth during that time period. Mm-hmm. Ah, so okay, I need more internet because reasons, whatever my business cycle is, and, and crank it up. And uh, that was actually a question I had. It was about time commitment. I don't. You said a day, a week, a month. So I don't have to have a long-term commitment that I've got to run this internet on-demand feature. Exactly right. You can provision service for 24 hours. Okay. I can go as, as short as a day. And, yeah. uh, and it, is there a price metering difference if I go longer or something? I want it for a year, so I get a discount. Is that a thing? Uh, yeah, the pricing... So the pricing will be proportionate to the period of time. So the longer the period of time that you commit to, the lower the price. Okay. You mentioned peering to your ASN. Uh, that would be, is that a prerequisite? As in, I've got to show up with um, some provider independent IP address space has been assigned to my company and my own BGP number and then peer with you to make that work? Yeah. So one of the beauties of having this, you know, the software and network automation community of Console Connect join PCCW Global, which is, you know, top 10 IPv4 provider in the world is we've got a lot of expertise around all those permutations. So from the application, as you go through the provisioning cycle, you can choose to have a private ASN, which we'll allocate to you. You can bring your own public ASN. You can then move on to the next stage of address allocation. You can have us allocate an address space to you, or you can begin to advertise your address space to us and we'll learn those routes from you. And so all of the different permutations you've seen in terms of getting internet access, including do you want the full routing table? We'll advertise the full route table to you, or do you just want us to advertise the default route? All of those sort of negotiations you would have had manually provisioning internet access as a network engineer, you can do point and click via user experience and be onboarded in minutes. Well, to not have to bring my own ASN necessarily and to not have to bring my own address space is sort of a relief, especially for those temporary things where I don't want to have to temporarily use a slash 24 for 24 hours uh, for whatever reason. If I could just have it from uh, Console Connect, that would definitely be my preference. And then a private ASN would be be great. I don't have to worry about advertising. It's just right whether or not how much of the BGP routing table do I take down or – do I just take a default or whatever? That's the flexibility I'm looking for. So I like that. I like that, Paul. Good. We should get to sign up. <laughs> <laughs> so once I've put it in order, whether I'm doing it online or calling you or however it's done, uh, for an in- internet on demand circuit, how long before I can actually start passing traffic? So depending on those parameters, um, as you can imagine, if you're advertising a, a route to us, we need to go through and um, check with RPKI that your role is instantiated or that they're appropriately, you're the authority to advertise those addresses to us. So we integrate with all the regional internet registries. That's got some propagation delay. So it could be an hour before we start accepting those routes. But in the case that Ethan described, where it's private ASN, you're taken from address ranges we've got, it could be up and running in 60 seconds. Mm. I said minutes in the intro, and now we've got it down to 60 <laughs> seconds. Okay. 
Well, Jay's the network engineer on the marketing side of the house. <laughs> yeah, it'll be down to five seconds in a moment. Don't just keep asking. <laughs> Don't encourage him. No, we were, you mentioned very specifically your ASN. I think it was 3491. Uh, yeah. And we were prepping for this call, and you both told us that being able to peer with ASN 3491 is, is kind of a big deal. Explain that uh, to the audience. Why is that a big deal? Uh, so it means that you're going to be getting your internet connectivity from the provider who operates that network. So we're not um, uh, we're not on selling somebody else's internet connectivity. And you know, AS thirty four ninety one's been around for more than a decade. Uh, it's a highly regarded network, predominantly with a lot of connectivity throughout the Asia Pacific, but with great peering throughout Europe and the United States as well. And um, so it's uncongested. You know, we're we're offering you know zero packet loss, uh, uncontested access to internet via this peering with AS thirty four ninety one. Oh, that does sound like marketing, Paul. All right, zero <laughs> loss and all, come on, man. Let's let's be let's be real here. You know, no congestion or whatever. That does sound like uh, like an overpromise. I mean, so how would I know that the circuit is meeting such a noble uh, SLA? But what I mean is, there a way I can I can prove that? And but and, and then what happens if I if I'm testing? Maybe I detect there's some packet loss, or my my latency profile is changing all the time, or or heaven forbid, there's even downtime now and again. How do I how do I handle that situation? Yeah. So two parts to that question. First one, we have customers who legitimately run iPerf after as soon as the service has been provisioned. So they'll instantiate a VM in a cloud provider. They'll start up iPerf on the end of the circuit, and then they'll test to verify that if we've provisioned one gig connectivity to Amazon or to Google, that that's actually the throughput. And Jay and I regularly interact with uh, customers who are doing that testing, and you know we have to help them through the uh, the permutations of their configuration to prove the, the validity of their results. Um, and then the second part, so yeah, we we see customers testing it all the time, and we hand on heart, we tend to come out. Um, on top of those relationships. And if we don't, we've got a really strong network operations center around the world that will you know, find out why we may not be able to achieve the throughput that the customer provisioned. And the second case is the SLA. So every service that's being provisioned through Console Connect has the same SLA. And if um, you know the terms and conditions of that agreement, there's something in there that we're not able to meet the expectations of the customer, then there's financial remuneration for them. From a design perspective, is there oversubscription? Because almost any service provider of use, there is some amount of oversubscription where there is no such thing as zero congestion. It's like, it's it might be better than best effort depending on the architecture of the network, right? Um, but some some networks are more oversubscribed than others. Can do you do you know? Can you say if there is you know customer to bandwidth oversubscription of on some level? As a design premise, the answer is no. So we design the network to have no oversubscription. And in the vast majority of services that we provision through Console Connect, if I were to reach out to customers, the answer would be they don't encounter and do not experience oversubscription on our network. Hmm. And in regards back to the SLA, uh, is there a way for me, the customer, to kind of instrument this to keep you guys honest? Or am I just sort of trusting whatever telemetry I'm getting from you? There's always instances where we see customers who um, monitor their interfaces themselves, mm -hmm. uh, but we also make all of the telemetry that we publish to the uh, portal application available via API, and we've got customers who subscribe to that feed as well. So you can do the you know Brace and Bridges and 
double check us if you need to. Yes. And not to imply that you're untrustworthy, but SLAs are touchy with folks. So, Of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> IPv6 service, is that, is that a no-brainer? For the current product offering, it's IPv4 only, not because AS3491 is not IPv6 uh, supportive or aware. So it's actually quite a large V6. Um, so it would be in the top 20 V6 networks in the world as well. Um, but in terms of us having the internal mechanics to appropriately um, validate V6 routes being advertised to us, as you imagine, we've got you know the over a million lines of code of Console Connect. Inside that portfolio of software is systems that integrate with the regional internet registries to do this address validation. So, you know, is this new AS that started appearing with us appropriately the authority to publish these address blocks to us? We wanted to test and go to market with that V4 validation path before we introduce V6. So over the course of the next couple of months, we'll bring in V6 as well. Okay, so that's on the roadmap because we are seeing, I think, more interest in V6 and we're even seeing the public cloud providers start to support, at least in a limited way, V6. Yeah, and we're V6 clean all the way through. So it's not to say there's any technical limitations, it's just in terms of uh, feature rollout as we you know, build assurances in this, because we have to integrate with a lot of external systems or the regional internet registries, for example. Want to make sure we get that right so that we don't reject routes that are appropriate or accept routes that may be inappropriate. Um, manually provisioning, we, you know, as a professional services organization, managed services, we we uh, we do a lot of these experience. As I was browsing through the product on your site, I know there's some some upsells, things I can add to my internet on demand uh, service, and one of those is is DDoS mitigation. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah. So um, because so this is a multi terabit network, so it's, it's quite a large uh, network, and we have relationship with two anti DDoS providers. So if you choose to um, do so, we can either via the DNS route, so like a, um, you know, an, an offering where you're doing DDoS mitigation by uh, intercepting the DNS resolution or via actual, um, you know, having our DDoS partner uh, advertise your address block, we can um, offer you quite substantial DDoS mitigation services. Advertise the block out from the DDoS mitigation provider, they take all your incoming traffic, scrub it, and send, hopefully, send on what's left. Some the remaining good stuff uh, still makes its way to you. Yeah, correct. Exactly yeah. right. For, for, for an added cost, I assume, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, DDoS mitigation is one of those. It's never <laughs> free, and sometimes it's eye-wateringly expensive. But it's there, it's, I think, is the big thing. It's worth every it. penny. Yeah. Worth every penny. Yeah, and and to go back to the multi-terabit network point, you at Console Connect can swallow that. That that is, if you, if you have a customer being attacked, um, the mitigation service has enough available bandwidth to be able to absorb the attack and and send traffic on through. Yeah. So um, so you know, if you go to the Console Connect website or log into the application, you're going to get that sort of look and feel of a SaaS application. The reason we keep talking about the Console Connect platforms actually. You're deeply integrated with um, PCCW Global you know, via acquisition um, is because PCCW Global has been building AS3491 for you know, more than a decade. It's in the top 10 global peering provider, uh, routes almost 18% of the internet, and it has an edge capacity in, in excess of 20 terabits. It's a, it's a non-trivial network. 
you know, 18% of statistics are made up, Paul. I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> that, that one is, that, Ethan, is verifiable. You can look up the global internet routing table and see AS3491 is primary for over 18% of V4 routes in the world. I believe you. It was just an oddly specific number. <laughs> So I wasn't reading off a marketing sheet, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> so DDoS mitigation is one of those uh, uh, upsell services I can add to my internet on-demand circuit. Um, there's also managed router and managed firewall. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what that means, but talk us through it, Paul. So managed router services, as you would expect. Um, so as enterprises start to move these mission-critical workloads out to the cloud, so, you know, Day to cloud where we, we first spoke with you, Ethan. There's that example of okay, effectively I'm outsourcing the operating of that infrastructure as a service. And enterprises get the benefit of having the opportunity to focus on their applications. And so once they've done that, they then discover that okay, maybe I can also outsource not just compute and storage, but I can outsource network as well. So after discovering this sort of I can point and click and provision myself via console connect you know what, I actually don't even want to have to manage the router. So we have a, a relationship with a number of technology partners and then we can take over managing those routers on customer's behalf. And very very similarly, um, certain verticals that we deliver services to around the world are also interested in going that step further and say, okay, I want you to do network as a service for me, fully as a professional service. And I'd also like you to manage network security. So we offer a variety of different firewall vendors as well. Are these physical firewalls that are distributed through your infrastructure or software firewalls or how, or the customer firewalls? Uh, most of the customer presence equipment that we operate are actually physical firewalls. Hmm. Well, Jay, I want to turn the conversation to you as we move from the internet on demand product and begin talking about the cloud router product. So I know what I think I hear when I, uh, when I hear cloud router. It makes me think I'm spinning up some kind of a virtual network function uh, router in the cloud, but I don't. As I was reading through the literature and after talking to uh, to you guys, I don't think that's actually what this thing is. So give us the high level, Jay. Uh, in a nutshell, what is uh, Console Connect Cloud Router? Yeah, certainly. Um, so kind of the impetus for this was the expressed need from our customers um, to want to be able to do some sort of um, you know routing between cloud instances. That that's kind of originally where this came from. So. Uh, you know, customers had, you know, maybe connected to two different regions of AWS or they uh, more commonly, um, as, as we're all aware, um, within companies, you, you'll have your your various, uh, you know, aficionados, you know, development wants to be in Google and finance wants to be in Amazon or whatever. Um, so being able to bridge those um, was proving to be rather complex for customers. And so we said, well, you know, we can put a router, um, router there, routing instance, and we can connect those those various um, waypoints for you and allow you to route traffic between them. And um, that proved to be, uh, you know, wildly successful uh, in all honesty. And there are a couple of advantages to, to doing it in that way. For, for one, the customer um, in that scenario doesn't actually need physical access. They, they don't have to have a port on our edge. They don't have to come in over an NNI um, or an SD-WAN, uh, you know, interface or any of those others. And they can be, you know, purely cloud-based uh, in all reality, routing traffic between cloud instances or between cloud regions, you know, whatever they want to build. Um, but we didn't want to stop there because that 
you know, you, you start kind of, uh, you know, segmenting your, your market there. So this cloud router does allow for um, creating sites that are customer physical access as well, whether that is, you know, a cross-connect in a data center, whether it's someone coming in over an SD-WAN circuit, um, whether it's someone coming in over, um, you know, an LTE modem, which is another thing, uh, another product offering we actually have. We'll, we'll sell you a SIM that you can, you know, drop in and suddenly your, your last mile is over, uh, you know, the 5G network, um, back to our network. So, uh, so it's it's really kind of a, a an amoeba of sorts. It ebbs and flows according to the needs of the customer, um, and and uh, the customer is in control, and they can you know spin these up where they need them for performance reasons. Uh, they can tear them down. Um, you know, flexible duration, flexible pricing. Uh, you know, that was kind of where we headed with this and to meet the, the needs that we were hearing from our customers. So is it more like network as a service or is it I'm instantiating a cloud router like a, like a VNF per environment that I want connected in? Uh, it's it's an, uh, an amalgamation of both. Um, it is, uh, you know, in reality, it is a, a, uh, a VRF running on physical hardware uh, at the moment. Um, you know, this was an, an interesting decision point that that occurred and it, it took us a while to, um, you know, feel good with this decision. But, you know, having heard some of the things that Paul said uh, to this point about, you know, the depth and breadth of this network, you have to kind of really grab onto that and, and make sure that you feel comfortable what you're telling your customer. And telling them that they're getting a VRF running on a, a Cisco router is a pretty powerful statement. You know, that mm. they don't have to then question, okay, well, you know, what's going to happen, uh, you know, if the, the underlying OS rolls or what, you know, what, what happens if this project, you know, goes kaflerky or whatever. You know, as it stands today, these are physical, uh, physical gear with, with VRF running on them. The customer can instantiate these wherever they need, um, and that's a bit of a, a nebulous uh, concept, obviously. But uh, most of what the adoption we've seen to this point is customers are putting these close to the edge, uh, as close to the edge as they can. So they may end up with a, a cloud router for each of their uh, entry points or sites, um, so to speak, um, and then fully meshing all of those together to get the benefits of a, a true L3 VPN with, uh, you know, prioritized traffic routes through that mesh and across our backbone. Since it's physical and a VRF, it's not an overlay then? No, it is not an overlay. Nope. Hmm. And when you say a customer can spin it up anywhere, that anywhere means wherever uh, Console Connect has uh, a pop. Is that what you mean? By and large, um, we do have a handful of pops that are leaf nodes. Um, so we may, in within a particular metro, we may have some leaf gear in one pop, but the the VARs, the, the routers, may be in a different pop across on the other side of the town. But um, but no, for, for the most part, anywhere we have um, have points of presence, a customer can provision a cloud router there as well. Yes. Okay. So I just want to make sure I'm understanding because as Ethan mentioned, when I think cloud router, I think, okay, I'm spinning up some kind of virtualized or containerized yeah. uh, instance in an AWS VPC, for instance, or an Azure or whatever, but you're saying it's running on your infrastructure and I'm connecting up whatever I need to connect up and, and your 
uh, VRF is sort of the, the glue between whatever two other points I'm trying to connect. Yeah, and it, it can be more than than two points. We have some customers that are running, you know, upwards of ten sites, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, through through these meshes. So yeah, so there's still plumbing that's got to happen now on the Console Connect site. As I was looking at the Cloud Router product, one of the diagrams shows AWS, GCP, Azure, and OCI all being interconnected with this big Cloud Router cloud icon in the middle, kind of you know magically holding it together. All right. So if I got something going on in AWS and I got a VPC there, is that what is the construct that I'm using to connect to the cloud router? Yeah. So across the various uh, options of of clouds that we do offer on the platform, and and we're we're well above ten. Uh, if you start including some of the the more regionalized ones, like uh, you know Naver Cloud in in Korea, for example. Um, each of those, we're we're working to implement full network automation. As you can imagine, um, some of those cloud service providers are further along than others. You know, the AWS's, Microsoft's, uh, Google's of the world were fully automated against um, IBM, uh, similar fashion there. Um, Oracle, we're working through their API with them currently, as a as a matter of fact, to really solidify that. So. Um, even in scenarios where we don't have full uh, API integration with these cloud service providers, we do allow these cloud router integrations or, or interconnections um, via sort of a hybrid approach where the customer indicates their desire, where they want to connect. Um, and then on the back end, we exchange the necessary information, you know, cloud specific, depending on, on what the cloud needs, um, to be able to establish that connection for the customer. So it's still, um, you know, from the from the perspective of the customer, still automated. Um, it just may be, uh, you know, a twenty four hour turnaround rather than a, you know, two to three minute turnaround on the provisioning time. And then when I want to manage this thing, uh, is there a management? What's the management plane look like? Is it just a console connect to UI clicky clicky? It it is indeed. We allow the customer to uh, manage the kind of aggregate bandwidth of the cloud router. And, and from that perspective, I mean, you know, the, they may have a mesh going off in, you know, three or four different directions. And so we want to manage the incoming or allow them to manage the incoming bandwidth to that cloud router. And then obviously the network then figures out where to carry that traffic, um, allow them to, you know, turn it up, turn it down, um, it, the the instance itself, disable it, enable it if they need to for whatever reason. Um, obviously, tear it down completely, rebuild it somewhere else. Um, and then, uh, you know, just like uh, many of our other services, dynamic pricing, you can, you know, make these changes for as little as a day and really satisfy the needs that, that the enterprise has in front of them. And, um, Going back and, and uh, hitting on this again, this is yet another service that can be provisioned, instantiated, and and serviced over that single access port. If if the customer's got an access port, so you know, and it can sit alongside the internet on demand. It can sit on side, uh, sit alongside um, layer two services as well. So a customer can can truly provision exactly what they need. Um, when they need it and for as long as they need it. Well, it's a different approach to what what a lot of folks are doing. So the SD-WAN approach is really common to solve this problem. I need to interconnect 
my AWS and Azure and you know, my main data centers and so on in a full mesh architecture. How am I going to do it? Well, one of the approaches is you stand up SD-WAN and, uh, and just use the tunnel overlays and it all appears to be one uh, one fabric, if you will. I'm stretching the definition of fabric there a lot. I understand <laughs> that. But, uh, but you know what I'm trying to say. This is a different animal. It, it accomplishes the same goal, but it's doing it in a, in a very different way. I'm handing over a lot of that traffic to, rather than it being an overlay across whatever the transport is I happen to have, I'm saying, hey, console connect, build me a cloud router that is, effectively, it's your own network, by and large, that is interconnecting these disparate cloud points, yeah? Yeah, it's a very good point, and it, it takes a lot of that management complexity um, off of the user to have to figure out where to put those tunnels and how to manage them and how to make sure that the routes are going in the right direction. In addition, the time to provision for a new cloud router, because it is L3 VPN based, yeah, you know, it's VPN v4, we can just take the configuration and splat it somewhere else. And essentially, the device is up and running, you know, obviously, you'll have that last little uh, BGP peering if it happens to be a cloud, um, you know, for, for that edge access, but the uh, the configuration times incredibly short. And an, another really neat advantage of this is that you know the traffic just finds its correct way through the network just due to the the nature of an MPLS uh, cord network, and the customer doesn't have to worry about that. Um, a lot of these cloud service providers. If you go to them and say, you know, hey, great, I've got instances in U.S. East and U.S. West, and I need to get traffic between them, the answer is typically ride the cloud provider's backbone. Not that that's not a, a you know a valid solution to the problem, but at the end of the day, that may not fit with the customer's needs. They may need that traffic to come back into their finger quotes network for whatever reason, and um, and we provide a way to be able to bridge those regions. And that is an especially uh, interesting nut to crack in the case of clouds like um, Google, where the ASN that, that you peer with in Google is the same, mm. regardless of where you're peering. So, um, <laughs> so we had to, uh, had to do some fun work to figure out how to make sure that uh, routers would actually re-advertise addresses on an ASN that, that is their own. So we, we uh, a little AS override action to make sure that the clouds did not simply drop routes that were coming from a different region, for example. You can trust this. This is going to be fine. Yes, you can. You can. It's going to be okay. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like then, you know, my instance of a cloud router is tied to a VRF on a specific physical piece of hardware. Does that, are there any capacity or performance limitations I should be aware of? Uh, none that, that, you know, would be outside the realm of, of possibility. We already offer, as, as Paul alluded to, uh, you know, 110 and, and soon to be 100 gig access uh, to our network. You know, those verse are um, properly scaled as well uh, in, in these scenarios. Um, so, uh, I mean, you know, if you want to go to sub-Saharan Africa to 100 gigs, we might have a problem and need to have a longer discussion. Um, but, you know, for, for most uh, places, we've we've got a right-sized network and, and right-sized hardware underlying it to provide the customer the flexibility they desire. Now, Jay, you mentioned uh, that the traffic's just going to figure out where it needs to go. And we've kind of implied a full mesh architecture here. Uh, but you also said, I've got some level of control over over my routing. So if I didn't want full mesh, I wanted 
hub and spoke because reasons. Can I architect it that way? Uh, not through the UI. Um, this was a actually really fun experience was trying to figure out how we would actually represent that to a user in a way that would, uh, a make sense to the user and B end up with a network topology and configuration that would actually work. Um, so, um, we do offer hub and spoke and, and, uh, other, um, kind of bespoke topologies, but those are through um, a bit of, uh, of that hybrid magic again um, from working with the customer and, and truly understanding what they want their traffic to do. But by and large, the full mesh um, with the, the MPLS underlay um, and, and, you know, uh, BGP, uh, MP, sorry, multi-protocol BGP, that seems to, to satisfy the 80% case, if not more. Mm. And, um, and that's that's working for us at this point in time. And and if a customer needs something more uh, bespoke, then you know, yeah, we get on a phone with them, um, understand what their needs are, and and modify the network to fit their needs. Jay, thank you for clarifying what all cloud router is and does. Uh, we got we got nerdy with it, Jay, and I I appreciate that. And it's. It's funny. I can hear the engineer in your voice being, well, it's not exactly this. It's the other thing, trying to be precise. We, we appreciate <laughs> that here at Packet Pushers. That is, uh, that is very much appreciated that you, you took the time to define the nuance. Well, let's move ahead in the conversation. And, and Paul, I want to I wanna move back to you. The, uh, the last part of this conversation is about partner integrations. That is, Console Connect is partnered with a variety of different groups to bring some unique, fun features Fun. Fun's not the right word, but you know, interesting features <laughs> that Console Connect and can bring to uh, to customers. One of those is DC Connect, which if you're in the States, you hear DC and you think Washington, DC. That's not what we're talking about at all, Paul, is it? No, that's correct. DC Connect's uh, one of our partners based in Hong Kong. And uh, that relationship grew from, again, thinking about, as uh, Drew mentioned earlier, you know, to get onto the Console Connect platform, you need to have the uh, this ability to cross-connect with our infrastructure in a data center. So one of the challenges that we're always trying to solve is how do we extend the reach of the platform so that we can be present in more data centers? And through this partnership with DC Connect, we started to think through, okay, is there a way to have um, our partners advertise their inventory of facilities they have on net using software into the Console Connect platform? So... When we've spoken about APIs in the past, Ethan, we've often talked about users and enterprises consuming Console Connect via API, you know, provisioning a cloud router, modifying the bandwidth to an AWS VPC. And then we started thinking, okay, is there a relationship with developers in the supply side? So we worked really closely with DC Connect for a period of time and built as an API infrastructure for DC Connect to publish their inventory of on-net data centers into Console Connect. So if you log into Console Connect today and say, I want to provision connectivity from Singapore to Shenzhen, you can do that. And part of that is actually through a network-to-network -network interface with, we've built with DC Connect and through API integrations that DC Connect have built with Console Connect. I'm going to pause there because I'm sure you get a bunch of questions. <laughs> well, one of those questions is, I'm not doing business with DC Connect directly, doesn't sound like. It's just the partnership's there. I'm working with Console Connect, and now there's just more places I can go. Uh, and it's really as simple as that. Or or is it more like like an on-ramp to DC Connect, and then I got I to gotta build a relationship with them too? 
Exactly. So it's the former. So think of it more like a AWS marketplace where um, you can procure from AWS and they handle the uh, relationship with the partners. So exactly the same scenario with us. We handle all of the um, service level assurance, the network integration, um, you know, managing capacity. We do all that on behalf of the user. And from their point of view, whether it's uh, connectivity where the last mile may be via DC Connect or the first miles from Console Connect, they don't need to worry about that at all. We manage it completely. Okay, so if I wanted to get service in Asia, uh, particularly in Hong Kong, I don't have to have uh, boots on the ground there. That's right. And through this partnership with DC Connect, we've brought uh, over 45 data centers throughout mainland China onto the Console Connect platform. That's okay. So big, big reach into the uh, the Chinese mainland. Okay. Yeah, Beijing, Shenzhen, Shanghai, Guangzhou, all of the primary um, financial and manufacturing centers. Hmm. Now, Jay, there's a there's another partnership here we want to talk about. City of London Telco, the Colt uh, partnership. Would you describe that one for us? Yeah, certainly. Um, it this one's a really fun one, and um, you know, it, at one level, it's very similar to what Paul just described with DC Connect. But the way that we got to this point is, is kind of fascinating. You know, PCCW Global, Colt, and, and a handful of others um, are you know, members of, of what used to be the Metro Ethernet Forum. Apparently, they just like to be called MEF now. And so, you know, the, the kind of guiding principle there was, hey, let's all get together and let's figure out how to have a common vernacular to talk about these, uh, you know, network-to-network interconnects. How, we, how do we trade off traffic to one another? Brilliant idea, but as as is typical of standards, you can sit around and kind of you know draw pretty pictures on a whiteboard for only so long, and then suddenly you realize, well, we need to do something. What Colt and PCCW did was, well, let's just write a bespoke API. Um, we know that it's going to go away at some point in time. In fact, the goal is to make that bespoke API between the two companies go away and be replaced by this common um, API that we would like to to build through this MEF partnership. And so that's what we did. Um, so it's a bi-directional bespoke API. So Colt customers who you know, customers who already have their business relationship with Colt can see the console connect uh, destinations through Colt's portal and you know extend their network just as Paul was describing with DC Connect. And then it works the other way as well. Um, Console Connect customers can see all of the Colt endpoints, um, and and Colt's primarily based in in Western Europe, um, you know, Germany, uh, the United Kingdom, France, um, and then they have a, a handful of um, pops in Japan as well, and I think that they have one in Mumbai as well. Mm. So you know, Console Connect customers can see that footprint, and and then vice versa. And the provisioning is is transparent to the user. Um, they they don't have to understand where that handoff's occurring. They don't have to maintain those separate business relationships. From a support perspective, we're offering a, a single pane of glass essentially on both sides. Colt customers deal with Colt, and our customers deal with Console Connect. And on the back end, our two support teams obviously um, you know communicate regularly to ensure you know, comprehensive support and, and service level agreement um, across both companies. Um, it's really been a fascinating opportunity and a fascinating learning experience to be able to have two companies that were capable and willing to kind of do this trial by fire to ensure that what we had envisioned really was going to work at scale. 
Yeah, you said the magic uh, bi-directional API, and I was like, I don't think I've heard that one before. I've been phrased that way, but but yeah, then it also fulfills that role of extending the reach of the Console mm-hmm. Connect network um, in in a, in a major way. At first, I thought City of London Telco, because where I live, I'm not familiar with them as a carrier. And I was like, oh, City of London. Well, that's interesting, but not that big a deal. And then you're like, oh, no, no, the reach is substantial, you know, all over Western Europe. Um, so, yeah, quite a quite a partnership. Uh, uh, Paul, we got one more here that I've just been dying to talk about because uh, Web3 is all the rage, Paul. And, uh, and you've got this <laughs> partnership with the Communications Business Automation Network, CBN, doing some Web3-ish kind of stuff. Tell us about that. Well, just as it takes 10 years to uh, be an overnight success, um, CBAN <laughs> is um, the Communications Business Automation Network. So it began as a, um, came from the ITW's Global Leadership Forum in 2018. So um, GLF, as it's called, is a, a collaboration of network telecom industry leaders who wanted to explore emerging technologies. And of course, one of them uh, was distributed ledger technology. And so over the course of like 2018, 2019, um, they started to focus on uh, different use cases for blockchain-enabled technology to be used in this telecommunication sector. And then um, early last year, I uh, was appointed to the chairperson of the technical committee of CBAN. And so we've been working on a number of different initiatives. Um, Not surprisingly, data on demand is one of them. And so what we've been able to do, a collaboration of, of different uh, providers, Colt being one of them, is find ways to use distributed ledger as the primary vehicle to, for full lifecycle management and doing so in a production environment. So not just in terms of standards work that we do with MEF and LSO Sonata, but actual, you know, let's get our services that we offer each other into a distributed ledger in production and see what we learn um, through that process. Well, the the point then of the distributed ledger between the organizations is that everybody's working off of the same blockchain. And so then as services are rendered, both sides know exactly what was rendered and are in agreement upon it because the blockchain says that's what happened. And you'd have to be in agreement if you're participating. Am I understanding that about right? Yeah. And the key thing, Ethan, for me in terms of learning was what is the first thing that you need to instantiate on a a distributed ledger? So it's a tokenization. So what we learned was that through the tokenization of the service was the first step we needed to take to get to this shared understanding about what attributes are meaningful, as you would anticipate, start time, end time, you know, how long that service exists. Uh, source and destination are pretty important. How do we come to a consensus around how we describe source and destination on a distributed ledger? And then the capacity. So is this a one meg or a 10 meg service? And, you know, Jay, as you can see here, a theme of we've built this console connect on demand platform as we begin to have not just network engineers call our APIs to provision services, but software begin to call our services you can expect that the volume of transactions is going to increase dramatically. And so you have to have these assets or, or services tokenized to be able to then move on to smart contracts and settlement. So there's this natural evolution in terms of adoption of distributed ledger. First, we're benefiting from having the tokenization of this service. 
And this is then the precursor to establishing smart contracts so that we can fully lifecycle manage through settlement. Uh, you said smart contract. And I was wondering if that's what actually this was, but as you put it, it's a, it's a precursor. But But that's what it feels like one of the major use cases for blockchain is going to be not just uh, NFTs for your, what is it, the board yacht, ape club, whatever, you know, <laughs> it's not it's not that kind of stuff that's getting all the press these days, but it is a way of uh, enforcing agreement on a set of data um, via a irrefutable and, and distributed ledger. So that, and, we're, and you don't have to have a huge number of transactions per second to pull that kind of thing off either. There's There's a lot of a lot of use cases that can be found for this. So thanks for surfacing that one. And you know, maybe, Paul, we should talk offline and uh, get into what CBAN is doing in this arena more. That might be a fun conversation to have. Yeah, I'd love to. Well, Paul, for Console Connect, if people want to find out more because they've listened to this riveting conversation and they just have to have more information, where would you send them? I would send them to www.consoleconnect.com or search for us on Twitter under Console Connect. Uh, LinkedIn or Facebook. ConsoleConnect.com slash packet pushes is even a landing page that uh, the Console Connect team has put together. So if you listen to this and you have some uses for what Console Connect is offering, head there, ConsoleConnect.com slash packet pushers. And then, uh, Paul, uh, do you have a you know, personal LinkedIn or Twitter if people want to reach out to you directly? Yeah. Yeah. I'm on uh, Paul Gamp on Twitter and Paul Gamp on LinkedIn. And a long-time listener, first-time caller to packet pushes. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. And Jay, same question uh, to you. I know you're more on the engineering side of the house. If people have some nerdy questions for you about what's going on on the Console Connect Network, can they reach you? Yeah, yeah, they certainly can. Um, so on Twitter, um, I'm uh, ESMCSQRD because, you know, I, I like Einstein. So that one's a little challenging. We'll get it published. Um, on LinkedIn, I'm JKT Linux guy because, again, I'm a geek. <laughs> Thanks to Jay Turner and Paul Gamm for appearing on Packet Pushers Heavy Networking today. And our thanks to Console Connect for sponsoring the show. Our sponsors keep us all warm and fed here at the Packet Pushers Podcast Network. And hey, if you're still listening at this point, thanks very much for listening to the episode today. And a quick note, if you're a Slack user, we have an absolutely free Slack group where you can join around 2,000 other network and cloud engineers Ask questions, share your wisdom, and be part of the global community of infrastructure professionals, all at packetpushers.net slash Slack. And when you do hop in there, maybe join the jobs channel. You can look for your next career opportunity, or maybe you got a position you need to fill. You can post it in there. It's all absolutely free, just trying to connect people with people. Last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.